Hi friends, this is Will Dyer, the pastor here at the First Baptist Church of Augusta. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the message that you are about to hear will give you some joy in your day. But more than that, I hope that this message will connect you to Jesus. The mission of our church is to connect people to Jesus Christ in a community of faith. And it is my greatest hope that the message you are about to hear will better connect you with Jesus and His way in the world. Well, good morning, friends. We are going to continue on in our series, Back to Normal, where we are looking at how change can be a good thing, how change is a good thing in our lives. And we've begun our series by looking at Exodus. And last week, David did a wonderful job of leading us in the way that churches can change, as we saw in the book of Acts. And today, I want to continue in that same book. And I want us to begin by reading together from Acts chapter 11. It's a story of Peter when he has this strange new encounter that breaks his old way of thinking and leads into a new normal, a better normal, a richer normal. And so I want to invite you to get your Bibles, if you have them, turn to Acts chapter 11, or you can simply follow along with me as I read to you now from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 17. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it, saying to them, Step by step, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean. You must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. And at that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and to not make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them that he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? And when they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. I love music. I love music about change in particular. No matter the song, I remember, I'll never forget the first time I heard that Sam Cooke song, A Change Is Gonna Come. As a freshman in college in political science, hearing that song where Cooke is dreaming of a better day when things will be better for African Americans in our country. 
a song of hope, a song of change. I'll never forget it. I still love that song. I will never forget as a 14-year-old hearing Bob Dylan sing that song, The Times They Are A-Changing. You know it, right? Come gather round people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are a-changing. Whew a song uh, of invitation to dream about a better world. I'll never forget it. I I love songs of change, period. Even the scorpions, the winds of change. Come on, you you know it, right? A wonderful podcast right now for all of you podcasters out there. The winds of change, it's about that very song. Uh, I encourage you to go and listen to it. You will love it. It's fascinating, But, but a great song. Friends, I even love Cheryl Crow's song, A Change Will Do You Good, superfluous change of our lives down to the massive changes of the civil rights movement. Change is something that excites me, and change is something that I think excites many of us. But let's be real. As we've talked about over the first two weeks of this series, and as I want to continue talking about change on this morning, that, that I love the theory of change, I love the music of change, but actual change in my life, well, that's a different thing altogether because I think we would all agree to this, that even the most positive change can be difficult. Even change that we know is good, even change that we know leads to life, it can be difficult. And it wasn't just difficult for us, it isn't just difficult for us But that sort of change, even going back to the time of Jesus, to the time of the earliest apostles, that change was incredibly difficult. You you heard the story I just read. Peter, the the very right-hand man of Jesus, the one who was with him all throughout his ministry, the one who Jesus, before he ascended to heaven, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. You're my man. You're my guy. (laughs) Even Peter struggled with change. In order to understand this change that Peter struggled with, the the change that we read about in Acts chapter 11 just a moment ago, I need you to do something for me. I need you to put on your first century glasses. I need you to think not like a 21st century American, but for a moment, I need you to think like a first century Jew. Because Peter, going to the house of Cornelius... Peter, sitting down and eating a meal with a Gentile? Friends, that was unthinkable. That was unheard of. That was a break with everything normal that they knew. Because you have to remember, for the earliest Jesus followers, they were all Jewish. Peter and the other apostles, Jewish. Paul, Jewish. On the day of Pentecost... When thousands of people came to faith in Jesus, they were all Jewish. And so every follower of Jesus from the beginning, ethnically at the beginning, they were Jewish. And and in accordance with being a Jew, they still, at the beginning at least, followed Jewish law. They still followed the Torah. They still had the ethnic characteristics of, Jew, of Judaism, of Jewish people. 
And, and one thing that is essentially important for us to know is that at the time of Jesus, in the midst of the Roman Empire, there were three defining characteristics of Jewish people. The first was circumcision. All good Jewish men were circumcised on the eighth day. The second characteristic was Sabbath. All Jews took the seventh day and they rested and they made it holy. If you go back and you read Roman historians, they talk about these lazy Jews who sit around and do nothing on the seventh day. But th that was a defining characteristic of what it meant to be Jewish, to be circumcised, to be a Sabbath keeper. And the third thing, and this is so incredibly important for what we're talking about today, the third defining characteristic of a Jew, of a Jewish Christian, was that they kept dietary laws. They only ate kosher food, the food that we read prescribed to us in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They kept Jewish dietary law. They only ate kosher food, and this is the really important thing for today. They only ate with other Jews. Good Jewish people, including good Jewish Christians, would have only spent time with each other. That was the defining line between us and them. That's how you know who is in and how you know who is out. And Peter, being a good Jewish Christian, at least at the beginning, he would have observed all of those three essential characteristics of Jewish Christians. And so what we read in Acts chapter 11, the story that I shared with you just a few minutes ago, you need to understand that story is absolutely revolutionary. And I'll rehash it again for you just for a moment, that in Acts chapter 10, this good Jewish Christian Peter, he has a vision from God. And you heard that a sheet was lowered down from heaven with non-kosher food on it. And the Lord's voice said, Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter, no, I'm not going to do that because I am a good Jewish Christian. And three times that vision happens, and Peter says, okay, Lord. And at that exact same moment, some people from Cornelius, Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Roman military official, they show up at Peter's house, and they say, Peter, come with us. Peter, come with us because you're going to go to Cornelius' house and you're going to tell him uh, a message that the Lord has given you and, and you're also going to sit down and you're going to share a meal with him and you're going to stay in his home. Whoa, 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 whoa. Good Jewish Christians didn't do things like that. It was a break from any sort of normalcy that Peter had ever known. And yet, what we read in the book of Acts is that Peter goes and he sits down with Cornelius and he shares the good news of Jesus Christ and Cornelius and his household come to faith and they share a meal together. And that is so incredibly important because, again, good Jewish Christians did not do that because Gentiles are out and we are in. We are God's people. They are not. And yet, Peter experiences something that says, all those things don't matter anymore. Go and sit and share a meal 
because sharing a meal in the context of that culture meant acknowledging we share this deep-seated bond. Sharing a meal together meant we are in this thing called life together. Eating with someone is a powerful symbol of belonging and association. And Peter breaks with every sort of normal he had ever known when he sits and shares that meal. Think about it. That's true even in our day. When you sit and you share a meal with someone you know and you love, you're acknowledging their humanity. When you want to make new friends, what do you do? You go out and you share a meal. So in some ways, this concept seems incredibly foreign to us. That table fellowship was revolutionary? And yet, if we dig down deep, it absolutely is. And the new normal that Peter experiences of sharing a meal with Cornelius leads people to Jesus. And it is good and true and right. It is absolutely beautiful. And I'm sure it was terrifying for him. And so he goes back to Jerusalem after the meal was over. And the funny thing is, is he goes back to the Jerusalem church and they had heard what Peter had done. And the first thing they said was, what have you done? Now, if you, if you read the passage, you can interpret it as this cool, reasonable, Peter, tell us what you have done. But anyone who has children can attest that that is rarely how those words are spoken. And it wasn't how it was spoken with the church asking Peter. Instead, what they said was, Peter, what have you done? You've broken the rules. You violated everything we know to be true and right and good. Good Lord, Peter, what have you done? And Peter, in this beautiful moment, says the old way wasn't working. The old normal was a hindrance. And God has led me into this new, profound, beautiful thing. And I wish that's where the story stopped. But the fact of the matter is, even for Peter, even for one of the greatest followers of Jesus that we know in our history, he experiences moments moving forward where his temptation is to revert back to the new normal the old normal. He experiences moments where the temptation is, I know God has done this new thing and invited us to share fellowship with Gentiles, but it's easier to go back to the old way. It's easier to draw the distinction between Jews and Gentiles. It's so much easier just to go back to the way things always were. And there's this book in the Bible called Galatians. It's written by a man named Paul. In the book of Galatians, in the second chapter, Paul tells a story about when he had a run-in with Peter. Because Peter had been eating with Gentiles. He had been in Antioch, this city in Galatia. And while he was there, he was eating with Gentiles, hanging out with them, doing this new thing that God was doing, enjoying this new reality and then some people from Jerusalem came. You remember those people who said, what are you doing? They showed up in Antioch. 
and Peter, rather than continue in the new normal that God was leading them to, he reverts back. And in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, I want to read to you what Paul says. When Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, from Jerusalem, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and he kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, then how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? You see... In this incredible moment in the book of Galatians, we we see a story about Peter who had left an old normal and embraced the change of God. He had embraced the wind of change that was blowing in God's new creation. And yet, when difficulty arises... When trouble comes about, his gut impulse, let's just go back. Because the old normal was safe and change is difficult. The old normal was easy and change is scary. (laughs) But here's the thing. Paul understood and eventually Peter would understand as well that the old way was an obstacle to the gospel. It was getting in the way of following Jesus. The winds of change were blowing in Peter's life. And his gut impulse was to simply retreat to the old way. And yet, Paul helped him understand that the old way was an obstacle to the gospel. It kept people from sharing in the identity of the Messiah. And this new thing has been happening in the world because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And Peter embraced the change, embraced the newness, because it isn't just about food. It isn't just about sharing a table with someone, but it is about who belongs to Jesus who is the Christ? Who did he die for? Who did he rise for? <laughs> Don't go back to the old way. In his wonderful commentary on Galatians, N.T. Wright sums up this conversation between Peter and Paul so very well. Wright says that the key question they are dealing with is this. Who are God's people and how do you know? He's talking about identity. What matters is being a Messiah person. That is the key to forgiveness, to status, and hope. God has launched new creation in which the old differences necessary for that time cease to matter. If I could say it another way, friends, 
the, the change of God had occurred. And the old way, the normal of the past was no longer adequate for the future that was in store for God's people. And I find myself reading this story from Acts. I've found myself uh, over the course of the past few weeks reading all of these stories from Scripture about change and about normal patterns being broken and new things arising. And I cannot help but think to myself, friends, we are in the midst of one of those moments. We are in the midst of a period where if we are willing to open our eyes and see it, God is leading us into new realities that are better than anything we've ever known. Don't go back to those old ways. Peter had to resist the temptation. Peter had to be instructed. Don't forget that the change of God is occurring. And friends, we find ourselves in that very same moment right now. It's hard to believe we have been uh, 20 Sundays into the year 2020. 20 Sundays. And you know, we have been gathering together online for 10, 50% of our year. We have not come together for weekend experiences of worship. Our old normals have been completely disrupted. And yet, friends, I think, I think there's some new things bubbling up on our horizons. I think God is teaching us about some new realities. I think God is giving us opportunities to reach people with the good news of Jesus in ways that we could have never imagined prior to this pandemic. I want us to, to, to remember something, that during this pandemic, the church has learned fundamentally that church is not a place where you go. It is a dynamic reality that defines who we are as a people. The church is not a place where you go, but church is a reality about our identity, about who we are Church is not a steeple, but church is a people. And friends, listen to me. The church has left the building. Oh, the winds of change are blowing. <laughs> the, I would also say to you that during this period, the church has learned that worship, we have learned that worship is not just something we do on Sunday morning, but worship is the way we live our lives throughout the whole of our existence. Worship is not just singing songs with our lips, but worship is serving with our lives. And this is a change. And this is a new reality. Let's embrace it. I cannot tell you how amazing it was for me a few weeks ago to get a phone call from one of you who called me on the phone and you said, Will, I just got my stimulus check. It's $4,000. And I don't need it. 
I'm, I'm taken care of, and, I, and I'm okay, and I'm good. But will I know there are people who aren't? Who can I give this to? How can I further the gospel? Oh, man. The old normal. It's gone. And the new thing God is doing. Oh, let's get on board. An attorney in our church calls me a few weeks ago. And he says, Will... We're now uh, a few months into this pandemic, and uh, while bills were deferred for the first few months, they're about to begin uh, coming up. And gas is about to be cut off. And people are about to be evicted. And life is about to be disrupted for so many people in our city. And Will, I know I can't do everything, but if you hear of someone who needs some legal help, give them my name and tell them to give me a call because I want to help them for free. And the wind of God is leading us forward into this new reality and the old normal of the way we did church, friends, that is gone. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we're seeing an opportunity to understand new things about who we are and who God has called us to be in the world, just like Peter did in this story that we read for today. And so I, I want to make a bold claim right now that eventually this pandemic will subside. Eventually, we will come back into our buildings. But friends... Let's never go back to normal. <laughs> let's never go back to normal. But let's see this moment as an opportunity to revolutionize the church, to, to reimagine what it means to be the people of God in 2020 in Augusta, Georgia. I'm excited to share with you all today. That over the past few months, our leadership team and pastoral staff have been hard at work developing a plan for when we can re-engage in our weekend gatherings. And I'm really thrilled to tell you that tentatively, we're planning on getting back together on June 14th. That we'll have three experiences on Sunday morning. And you'll register online or call in and you'll be able to uh, set your place to come in and we'll start gathering back together on our campus. And we'll worship and we'll celebrate and it will be good. But friends, some things are going to be different. There are some of you that when you come in the sanctuary or when you go into the contemporary worship space, your pew, it's not your pew anymore. Your seat, it's not your seat. And I'm sorry to tell you, it never was. And this new reality will in fact give you opportunities to meet new people to have new common experiences, to make new friends. 
to share the love of Jesus with someone that you have never met before. Oh, guys, let's never go back to normal. (laughs) Peter, the good Jewish Christian, would never have dreamed of eating with a Gentile until the day that God showed him a new and better way. Friends, I think God is showing us a new and a better way to be the church. I truly believe deep down in the depths of my bones that this is an opportunity, not just for our church, but for the global church to reimagine how we share the gospel how we tell people about Jesus and to emerge from this pandemic with a better sense of vocation, with a better sense of calling, with a better sense of how important this gospel is. Because we have joy. We have hope. We have grace. We have Jesus. And the world needs to hear that good news now more than ever. So let's not go back to normal, but let's see where God is leading us. Because I promise where he's taking us, we will find good news. Let's take a moment now. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful for this morning. And Peter, O oh Lord, didn't know what to do when change happened to him. And God, we, many of us, don't know what to do either. And so, Lord, would you open our hearts, would you open our minds, so that we might see a return to the old is not where we need to go. A return to the way things always were simply isn't where you're leading us. But God, open our minds so that we might dream and imagine of new possibilities, of new hopes, of new ways to share the gospel. God, continue to be with us now as we worship, not just as we sing this next song, but God, continue to be with us as we worship in our lives sharing and serving and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. This is our prayer, and we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen.